right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I'm Kyle Mikey here, the Lions beat writer and live, joined as always by our dear Ben Raven, who is back from the road, fresh off a plane from Mobile, Alabama. Ben, how how you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's it's a little interesting town for sure. I get sunburn on day one. I wear a hoodie the rest of the week. I get back to Michigan. It's eight degrees at eleven o'clock last night. I'm yeah. full of shrimp. My skin's beat red and kind of freaking out about the elements, but uh, just an absolute blast just kind of being down there in the NFL world. I mean, my flight back last night, I think all of first class was the entire NFL network staff and they're all laughing at me because I can't stand up on the little uh, two row plane flying out of Mobile. Field Yates looks up at me and he's like, man, this plane ain't built for you. And Rap looks up. <laughs> he's like, don't stand up. <laughs> and it's just like, can I go back to my seat in the last row while all the insiders are up in the nice little seats up there? This is a really fun overwhelming but in a good way experience down there it was a great trip well ben wasn't you know just experiencing the five-star all-inclusive resorts of mobile Alabama. <laughs> the, the senior bowl was down there it's kind of like a high school reunion but for the <laughs> nfl world every year in yep. january I've, I've gone just about every year for like the last 10 years and just imagine a small town ben compared it to kalamazoo <laughs> off there but it's something like that but then you have the entire nfl world descend upon you for this all-star game it's the best all-star game i think in the in the circuit it's it's very useful for teams i know the lions got kirby joseph from there last year it's a, it's a nice data point in the evaluation to put guys into uncomfortable positions right and then yeah. see how they adapt to learning new defenses and offenses in a matter of days putting them in, in these kind of like one-on-one situations against other top players around the country and that can be useful for a player like say kirby joseph right who yeah. only started for a single season at safety at illinois and the lions love the ball hawking and and draft him in the third round despite the lack of experience and they got a good one i'm curious ben just what what your overall i guess what was your experience from i believe it was your first senior bowl right yes it was it was my first trip down there and it just it kind of just felt like joint practices where i'm trying to see everything at once it's just a fascinating experience just kind of seeing the quarterbacks and the receivers try and get into a rhythm on that first day yeah. i remember you calling me about desmond ritter my guy last year how he like fumbled like his first like four snaps I swear to God, I was like living vicariously through you because Fresno State's Jake Hanner literally fumbles his first three snaps. So there's just like something about that event that's just like gets under those guys' skins on day one. But it's just, it's cool. You see like centers playing at guard, playing at tackle, tackles playing at guard, playing at center. You just see these coaches and they had a different coaching staff this year. Instead of two staffs, it was 30 coaches from 16 different teams. And they were moving these guys all around, all over the place, different drills, different looks, different techniques, and just a really great learning experience being in the stands, watching it with reporters and scouts and just overhearing stuff, asking questions. I mean, it's a, for me, it was my first trip down there. I feel like I learned so much just from like rubbing shoulders, just for those long, long days with guys like I, I mean, I'm so thankful to like Mike Tanier who's really just kind of been like a sounding board to me and all these national guys. And it's just been really nice to just kind of connect with all these random people that I've been doing podcasts with for like the last four years and actually meeting them and hang out. But just a, just a great learning experience, just a professional development and actually watching the football because I mean, that's a, you're just. You're drinking out of a fire hose, not to overuse that term, but there's so much going on and there's so much good stuff to look out for. And I, I really do see the value in that event for sure, because those, those practices, that's, that's hearty meat and potatoes on the way to draft season. Yeah. And that's the main attraction, but there's so much that goes into that week outside of what happens between the white lines for, you know, two hours per day for each team or whatever. Like I said, it feels like a high school reunion because yeah. the NFL world in this tiny little place <laughs> and any bar you go to, 
And then <laughs> you go to, you're going to be rubbing shoulders with, with people from this world, power brokers, GMs, like, you know, college scouting directors and, and so on. Did, I mean, did you eat anything good? Did you see anything good when you were out? I mean, there's been, like, I guess now he's not in Detroit. Maybe I can, I dropped the name Deuce Staley. He's been kind of a legend. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it at that. I think you, you know what I'm saying, but he's kind of a legend around those parts. Yeah, I, I went back to Veets looking for Deuce, let's just say, because I felt like that was going to be the most likely place to run into him after those reports started circling out. But yeah, he's definitely got a, a powerful reputation down there. His yeah, <laughs> reputation precedes him for sure. <laughs> well, but food, food, you know, soft shell crab BLT panini was like the highlight of the like real food. But my God, key lime pie, shrimp oh. and grits. The key lime pie I had, I'll give Felix's Fish Camp a shout out because that key lime pie was like, I went down there with the Detroit News and Nolan Bianchi and he texted me. He's like, if you save that key lime pie in your mini fridge, go get it and eat in bed and you'll thank me later. And I did exactly that. And it was just unbelievable. So seafood heaven. You're you're bringing a tear to my eye, Ben, because my my first senior bowl, which was in the year, God, God, I'm old now. I think it was. (laughs) It was when Denard Robinson was there trying to convert to, I don't know, whatever he was trying to do. Yep. It wasn't really successful. That, that was a bad week for Denard. I think it, it must have been 2013, maybe. But yeah, my, first, my very first dinner in Mobile was at Felix's. It's this wow. place. It's literally on like scaffolding out in the yep. middle of, uh, I don't know, the water there. Mm. And uh, it's a great restaurant, but we had, we had the key lime pie, man. And yeah. <laughs> like 10 years later, I still think about it. It's, it was unbelievable. Like, I love key lime pie. You have key lime pie in Michigan. It's passable. But that was like, yeah. my grandparents lived in Florida for 20 years. It was like bugged into like, oh, it was heaven, man. Yeah. So look at us. That was my first dinner in Mobile, too. So look at us. We're always connected. <laughs> I love it. The, the, so the Lions, they've done a lot of good work there over the years. And like I said, at the, at the top of this, including last year when they actually coached there, had their hands on Kirby Joseph and gave, it just gives you another data point in that evaluation. And it's, it's helpful, especially for a guy like Kirby who's trying to make a position change. Ben, you and I talked off air about best Lions fits at the senior bowl, not necessarily the best players, but the mm-hmm. best fits for this team and what they do, their scheme, their culture. I mean, all these things matter a lot to, to Brad Holmes. He's always talking about intangibles and, you know, how that factors into the lines evaluations of players. And you can see it. You see guys like Panay Sewell, Amon Ross St. Brown, some of the best picks, you know, they just fit a type, right? Mm-hmm. And now you've been able to beat around some of these guys and their coaches for this week at the Senior Bowl. So we're going to run through five guys who fit what the Lions are trying to do in their their needs in this year's draft. First up, Ben, I, it, it was Taji Spears, the running back from Tulane. Yeah, I mean, the the production is, is pretty impressive, especially down the stretch at Tulane. Ran for 121 yards in each of his last eight games. 19 touchdowns last year. Led Tulane, of all schools, to a 12-win season. They beat USC in the Cotton Bowl. He had, hold on, 205 <laughs> in that game against USC, four touchdowns with the MVP of the game, offensive player of the year in the American Conference. The resume is impressive. What did you like about what you saw from Taji Spears this week at the Senior Bowl? Oh my goodness. This dude's second level cuts. Like, I didn't expect to put a running back on that list. It's tackle free practices, it's not full on defense. I don't think it would have mattered. I don't think this guy would have hit the ground too much. I mean, his ability to make those second level cuts was just unbelievable. I mean, I think if you compiled the five top plays from the week, he would have three of them, maybe two or three of them. I mean, fantastic route runner. He completely shook this. I think it was a 
a Cal defensive back. I forget who it was, but he left this guy at the 35-yard line so badly. There was a safety watching it in the end zone that just started doing the go-to-sleep motion with his hands in the end zone. I mean, the guy didn't even recover. I mean, he was unbelievable. I mean, there's this one play that just sticks in my head. He catches a low screen pass. It was a terrible week at quarterback. We'll get into that. But he catches a low screen pass. He's like off balance when he gets it. He sprints to the sideline. He makes two moves. And then he makes like three other moves in the middle of the field. Ends up on the other side of the field for the touchdown. His speed, his route running, his body control. It was legit. And I I caught up to him after uh, the second day of practices too and just kind of asked him about like, what is, you're a two-lane running back. You just beat USC. You won 12 games. You're at the senior bowl. Everybody's talking to you. And he just kind of sighed and was like, I'm so tired, man. It's been the busiest month of my life. This is so much fun. So he was a, he was a really cool guy to talk to, to watch. I mean, he really just stole the show a couple of times. And that's hard for a running back to do with those showcase events. But my goodness, he was one of the best players. Yeah, I watched a little bit of the Senior Bowl this week just when they aired on TV. Not a lot. I was enjoying my time. Of- <laughs> yeah, good for I'm you. I'm not going to lie. I, I enjoyed taking the year off in the Senior Bowl. But I watched him on, on the TV and he was certainly impressive. I got curious about him because... I just haven't seen a lot of Tulane football. <laughs> Understandable. Uh, yeah. I did actually watch a little bit of that bowl game, though. And I remember him from that bowl game. He was impressive. And I, I queued up some highlights, just trying to get a better mm-hmm. idea of what, what he was about this week, Ben. And, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because you laid you know eyes on him physically. But like on the field, he kind of had some DeAndre Swift to me. Like like less explosive. He's, he, mm-hmm. I don't think he's the home run hitter that Swift is. I'm not saying that. But just in terms of like the physique, he's, he's only five foot nine. But he does run fast. He was clocked at, at 20.19 miles per hour this week, which was top five among all players. And just his ability to catch the football in space was one thing that really impressed me from the film this year and making people miss and, and getting north-south. I, th- I thought that aspect of his game, just getting to the perimeter and getting north, particularly in the passing game, reminded me a little bit of Swift, which is relevant to the Lions because Swift is heading into a contract year this coming year, also has not been reliable in terms of you know, injuries and whatnot. So as the Lions try to figure out what to do with running back where Jamal Williams is already a free agent, he in- intrigued me as a guy who could, you know, maybe be a running back two or running back three. What did you, what did you think uh, just in, in that regard? You hit the absolute nail on the head. I was having conversations in the stand just because he is, he's five foot nine, he's short, but he's like 205, 210 pounds. But the guys that we were all comparing him to were Swift, just because exactly what you said in that route running buddy. And the Chiefs rookie running back, the Pacheco, mm-hmm. I mean, just like there's a lot of him and both of those guys. He's got a good mix of that. I mean, when when he puts his head down, he's not going to burn you and leave you in the dust, but he's got a good enough speed and his ability to stop on a dime, change directions. And it looks elite. I mean, it was elite on the field in Mobile, 100%. If the Lions are going to draft a guy to be their long-term swift replacement, that guy's got to be able to catch the football. Like I said, the film shows it, but I'm curious this week at the All-Star game, did you see that as well with him? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. There were a lot of drops, especially from the running backs for this dude. I mean, he's not going to go up and fade route touchdown here or anything, but I didn't see any issues with his hands. Like I said, that route where he dusted that guy, I mean, he looks like he's got a pretty good grip on route running, and I have no problems with his hands. That would be a, like you said, Swift last year contract, all those issues. That would be a, a nice little replacement that does a lot of the things that he can do, so... Yeah, no, I agree. Ben, moving along, another player you identified moving to the defensive side of the football, Caillou Blue Kelly, cornerback, Stanford, former track star, also happens to be six foot one, <laughs> which is going to be appealing to teams. Really, he plays cornerback with a, a physical brand of 
of ball. And that's, of course, going to be appealing to a Lions staff that's just in love with Jerry Jacobs. What would you see this week from Caillou Blue Kelly? We talked about fits for the Lions. I mean, yeah, positional fit, size fit, style fit, personality fit. I mean, this guy, gamer, aggressive. He did his Stanford teammate dirty. I mean, the guy, Elijah Higgins, the receiver, tight end, hybrid. He's trying to make a catch. Caillou Blue runs up, just rips it out of his hands, spins, scores a touchdown. Finds a defensive lineman to hand the ball to. They spike it and go into the next period. I mean, this guy was just an aggressive gamer. That pick six was one of the plays of the day on day two. And like you said, he's long. He's athletic. He's the, randomly the son of Brian Kelly, who finished his yeah. career playing cornerback for the Detroit Lions. So he's connected. Not the uh, old Grand Valley State coach. The, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, 2008 or nine. Uh, but yeah. I just, I mean, I he was the best defensive player, in my opinion, on day two. For both teams. I went into this event thinking he was a top fit, and I left it thinking he was the top fit kind of out of the senior bowl. That personality will fit in well if he ends up here. He's not going to push for the first round or anything, but played for David, David Shaw for a three-year starter at Stanford. Looks great in man, looks great in zone. I mean, those, those ball skills, it just looks like a fit. And that's Aaron Glenn wants to play man and press. This guy fits in with that. They, they want ball hawks, and they've shown that. That was the big reason why they took a chance on Kirby Joseph, despite the lack of experience, was they thought. They, I mean, they just sell ball skills, and the Lions have been among the worst in the league and takeaways in general and interceptions in particular over the years, and it was much better last year. We saw it down the stretch, and actually, Kirby Joseph led them in, in takeaways <laughs> as a rookie. And I just looked it up, Ben. Brian Kelly played for the Lions for a single season in 2008. You know who else was on that team, right? Dan Campbell. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Come on. Come on. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, it's just like, oh, that's fantastic. So there you go right there, man. I, I, seriously, that's an inside track. This guy, I mean, the, all the boxes that you want checked at the Senior Bowl, this guy checked. One stat that jumped out to me about Caillou Blue Kelly. You know how many times this guy was targeted all last year? Gosh, I, I, I should. I looked it up. I know it's not many. 25 yeah, all year. Somebody playing in the Pac-12 gets targeted only 25 times. Right. That tells right. us something. Exactly. Pac-12, yeah, it's a different game out there. 25 times. It speaks to, it could speak to the lack of cornerback play on the other side of the field at Stanford. <laughs> and certainly speaks to his ability, though. Big guy plays physical coverage. He's definitely a scheme fit, I think, for what Heron Glenn wants to do. Hillman and uh, Jerry Jacobs would be an interesting pairing for sure, just given the physicality of both those guys. All right, hi, let's move along to, I think, one of your favorites from down there, as far as I can figure out. Payne Durham. And Purdue, there's a smile on your face, Ben. Tell us why you're so excited about this guy. People heard me clamoring about this guy so much that Jeff Riston runs down in the stands. He's like, I'm just going to film you talking about Payne Durham for a minute, all right? So just, I mean, this guy, the quarterbacks were terrible. But the quarterbacks had their best day, at least for the, the first session on that day three, whenever they t targeted this guy. I mean, this guy was unbelievable to end the week. He's got good size. He's got good hands. He played in that Purdue versatile offense where they, they play around with a lot of different systems. I, I just liked his game a lot. And on day three, he caught everything. I mean, he had one of the catches of the week outside of Michigan State's Jaden Reed. I mean, he went up. Jaron Hall, who was just absolutely brutal, just high-pointed a ball in the back of the end zone. I think they were doing drills from the 20-yard line, seven-on-sevens. And he caught it with two guys right on him, hit the ground so hard his helmet goes flying off, gets up with the ball and just gives it the thunderous spike. I mean, he was unbelievable. I really liked him coming in. I get made fun of for a Midwest bias, but this guy just kind of looks like a, kind of a souped up Brock Wright to me. And I think that's kind of what the Lions are going to be looking for if they draft a tight end. 
I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't draft a tight end because they love them some Brock Wright and Shane Zilstra and James Mitchell for sure. But man, this guy, if they do, this would be the guy I would target 100% for them. It is funny to me that you say souped up Brock Wright because I, when I popped into the film, he looked like Brock Wright. And even the way they used him, I, I was watching film from the, the Oregon State game from this past year. I, I think it might've been their season opener or maybe week two. And he had two touchdowns in that game, both in the fourth quarter that were huge plays in a, a win against Oregon State. And the last one was a third and short play where he lined up attached to, to the right side of the offensive line, faked like he was going to block, leaks into the second level of defense, wow. catches a short pass, takes off for like 40, 50 yards, scores a touchdown that the ice is the game with like two minutes left. It really, to me, Ben, looked a lot like a Brock Wright play against the Jets that won a game on fourth and short where... Brock Wright pretended to block, came across the backside of the line, caught a, a pass and, and went the distance. A little bit different play design, a little bit different concept, but like kind of the same thing going on where he faked like a, he was going to block, catches a long touchdown pass to, to win a game. That he, I, he looked like Brock Wright to me. I mean, Brock Wright went undrafted. I think he's a solid number two. I think you don't necessarily need another Brock Wright. I think if you take a tight end in the draft, you're looking for someone to lead that, that position group after Hawkinson was traded. Does Durham have that kind of top end potential or do you think he's more of like a tight end two, tight end three? I think he does have tight end one potential. I really do. I get to look at him there, watching a lot of his games at Purdue. His measurements, I mean, that's the type of stuff that people look for this year. He was, I think he was the second tallest tight end there. Longest arms by a decent bit. Not biggest hands, but I mean, he's 6'5". He's 260. He moves well. When you watch the Lions over the last two years, and ever since Ben Johnson's been coaching tight ends, they love to sell those blocks and break out. Yep. This guy excelled at that. I mean, seriously, just those chips. I just see a perfect fit in this offense. That's why I say souped up Brock Wright, because I think Brock Wright's earned a role around these parts for sure and earned a lot of love. But I think Durham's got, I think he's got a lot more to give. And he's, there's something to work with here because he's, he's kind of an underrated athlete, long arms, throwing the ball in the red zone. He's a red zone machine. I mean, he did a lot of things in that funky Purdue system. Yeah, was clocked at 20.05 miles per hour, which is the fastest recorded time ever at the Senior Bowl for a tight end. 255 pounds was the eighth fastest man in Mobile this week. So certainly some intriguing upside there. Moving along, Ben, your fourth guy you would identify as a potential Lions fit from, from the Senior Bowl, Dayon Henley, linebacker from Washington State. Really interesting biographical history. You see guys flip from offense to defense and vice versa sometimes, although usually it's like cornerback to receiver or something like that. This guy was a receiver and a return man who flipped a linebacker, clearly put on some weight along the way. He's now six foot one, 230 pounds. And some of the stuff that I saw, Ben, not, I didn't really see him uh, this week at the Senior Bowl, but when I watched the film, very fluid in coverage, which you would expect from a guy who has history as a, as a receiver. The Lions, I, I don't know the last time they had a linebacker who could cover in space. Probably DeAndre Levy like a million years ago. What did you see from Henley this week? And, and I guess in terms of the fit at linebacker where the Lions have some guys coming back, including Malcolm Rodriguez, but clearly need some, some talent upgrades as they move forward. I think if they bring back Alex Anzalone on a short-term deal again, like this guy would be such a little perfect fit in there because he could play right off the bat because of those coverage skills he pointed to, but such a fluid mover, flies to the ball, no off switch. I mean, there is no off switch on this guy at all. Just a different level of athleticism. I talked to him at the Senior Bowl breakfast, and he was just saying, 
I was playing receiver at Nevada and my fellow guys are just like, you are too physical, man. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to get hurt. You're not going to be available. Like you're not playing linebacker. And then he ends up playing linebacker. And I think he had like 111 tackles. I mean, his coverage skills, I mean, they, they stood out. And I think it was Lance Zerline of NFL.com that was like, this guy has completely already made me change his grade on him. Like he is stock up for sure if anybody's been reading my draft so for the last couple of years you know i like those like versatile linebackers who might not have a set position who took a while to find a home like i have a sweet spot for those guys this guy doesn't look like he doesn't have a home he looks like he has found a home and he's thrived in it at linebacker and i just think if they bring back alex he fits so well with that room because he gives them something that they don't have right now right uh, yeah exactly i think that's what stood out to me about henley is that i mean I think Malcolm Rodriguez is a, a a nice building block. I don't think he's like a, you know, plant the flag in the ground, cornerstone kind of like a, a Panay Sewell or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's definitely not that. Or even or even Amon Ra, who's another D3 pick. But he's obviously a high upside D3 guy. He's a quality starter that you can have in a starting lineup for a good defense. But you need someone who can complement what he brings for the long term. And regardless of what happens with Alex Anzalone, they have some long-term needs there, I, I think, to consider. One thing that they don't have is a guy who can cover at the second level. And Henley, obviously, seems to have that in, in some regard. I, I think one of the negative things I saw about him, Ben, he's a, a sixth-year guy. So on the one hand, he's experienced, which you like, but he's also, he's 23. He turns 24 in November. That means he's older than Panay Sewell. He's older than McNeil. These guys are like going into their third seasons and this guy's going to be a rookie older. He's basically, he was born just a couple of days away from Amon Ross St. Brown. So for a staff that does like to go very young and invest in their future by playing young guys and letting them grow over time, I don't know if he necessarily fits that philosophy. What do you, what do you think, Ben? I asked him about this. He got asked about this and he's like, you know, some people here are 25. I'm not that old. He made to point that out. I'm not that old. He's like, I'm not as old as Hendon Hooker pretty much. He goes, he admitted though, he's like six years is a long time. And he kind of just flipped that around. He's like, I was mentally weak in those first couple of years in Nevada. He's like, I needed that time to grow as a person. I needed those nights of reflection, wondering what am I doing here? How many people in LA Crenshaw am I letting down? And he just kind of learned a lot about himself. And he was the most impressive speaker. I, I thought I-, I loved the way this kid carried himself. And I think that maturity kind of rang out in that. But I do agree with you. I mean, that's wild that you say he's the same age as Amara St. Brown has already established himself as like a top right. five or 10 receiver in the league. So there's definitely something there, especially when you're talking about a developmental pick. I just think, you know, with him, I think the fit's worth it. I, I think it's worth it. I'm not scared off on him. When you get at 25 at the Senior Bowl, that's when you're starting to scare me off, you know? But I think don't burn too early on him. But if he's there late for you, I think that's a perfect little fit. I think with what they have coming back, like I think they have linebacker needs but if they take a linebacker you i think it's got to be an add to that position i don't think i mean you got Derek barnes coming back as well there's some there's some depth there i think you need to get better for the long term i don't know if i would spend an early or even a mid-round pick on a guy who is like he's older than Panay. he's older than Olim. it's like a chase lucas thing like chase lucas is fine for a seventh round pick i wouldn't have taken him any earlier than that because i think at this point he kind of is what he is you know and i think what chase brings is a lot of tangibles and i think that's a big reason why he made the roster in the first place do you think henley has that does he have that kind of vibe is he like an intangibles guy that would be a plus hat on the roster in the locker room and that kind of thing or or not I do think because he talked about love and playing special teams. He's just like, man, once you've played receiver, returner, safety, slot corner, corner, and he's like, I'm open to anything. I, I really do. I think that his athleticism would really translate to that side of the ball well, too. You know, running down on kickoffs, running down on punt returns. I, 
I do think he would be someone that would fit in pretty well. I think he's got a lot of things that he can do because he's fearless. He flies in that hole no matter who's coming down on it. And I, I just think there's a personality fit there. And I'm glad you brought up Chase Lucas because that's kind of what I was thinking with him. Like, if he falls to the sixth or seventh, why not? Because I do think he's got some intangibles and a lot to work with. And he does a lot of things that a lot of people can't. Lastly, and this feels a, a big need, I think maybe their, their biggest or second biggest need, depending on how you view it, but defensive tackle, they have a huge need there. You liked Jared Clark out of Coastal Carolina. Ben, I'm not up on my interior defensive lineman from Coastal Carolina. I know nothing about this guy. Tell me what I need to know. I will, man. He is six foot three, 343 pounds and bouncy. He had three pass deflections. He had two of those when he was double teamed. He bounces up. He doesn't just put a hand up. He jumped and knocks passes down the line. I counted three of those. He's got some impressive pass rushing chops too. He really stepped his game up this past year. And I mean, Coastal Carolina, I know that's a, the Chanticleers aren't well known around these parts, but they've, they've strung together a, a couple of good seasons and it's been powered by the defense. And I just think this guy checks a lot of boxes because I don't think he's going to go too early in the draft. I think he could be some, someone there three, four, five. But I mean, he was pushing blockers, stuffing lanes and just showed an impressive level of awareness when to drop back, get his hands up and knock down passes. I mean. He he made Troy's Jake Andrews, who I was looking at as a center guard possibility, just look like he didn't even belong there on one-on-one drills. I mean, the speed he showed, and then I look at his measurables. This guy's three, almost 350 pounds. He's moving like, he's got a little Alim McNeil in his game just because it's like, you are too big to be moving that well. But he's this Clark dude is more of a, he's going to be in the middle. He's going to be in the middle. That allows McNeil to kind of move around if they were to get peered up. But I mean, everything I look for in a defensive tackle this offseason for the Lions, I saw in this guy. I, I really did. I'm not saying he's a DT1, take him too early. But I think this guy could play in year one. I think he could be a role. And I think he could be an upgrade over Benito Jones for sure in year one and kind of make Bugs a better part of that lineup if he's back too. Because I think this kid does a lot of things that, Guys like that can't. I mean, he, the way he moves at 6'3", 343 pounds is just crazy impressive. Yeah, they need a cornerback. I mean, they might even need two cornerbacks at this point this offseason. I think they're going to draft one highly. Interior defensive line for me is right there in terms of top needs for this team. It just makes a huge difference. When we saw Josh Paschal getting in, inside there, John, John Kaminsky when he was healthy too, playing inside. Uh, it made a huge difference on everything else up front, including for Aiden Hutchinson and the other guys on the edge. They cycled through a bunch of guys in those interior roles, sometimes due to health, sometimes due to like poor performance or whatever. You know, they leaned on guys like Isaiah Bugs. You mentioned Benito Jones. You know, they got by, but like those guys aren't playmakers. And you saw some real inefficiencies and inconsistencies up front because of it, right? And we saw, I think, you know, the, the mess that happened in Carolina was a mess on all fronts, but they got manhandled up front and particularly on the, on, the, on the inside. They need better talent up there. I think that they're going to use, like, I would not be surprised, Ben, to see them use a top, like, 60 pick on an interior defensive lineman. This guy, Jared Clark from Coastal Carolina, is projected more for the day three rounds. So if they haven't gotten a guy by then, maybe this is a guy they, they take a, you know, a flyer on. Like, what would his role be? Like, do you have a comp for, for Jared Clark? Is he just a purely a run sufferer? I, I see he has three and a half sacks last year. Is he 
Does he have some pass rushing element? I mean, what kind of value would he add to this team if he were to be drafted? I really do think he's like an Olympic deal. Light. That's who I see in him because he was kind of like a freak athlete in high school who beefed up in college. I really think he might push into that day two range. I really do because he's built like a 3-4 nose tackle. But I think you could really get by with him and the kind of the system that the Lions are running and what they're trying to do moving around on the interior line. What he was doing at Coastal this past year is not going to be happening in year one in the NFL, but I do think he's a very competent zero or one technique in that 3-4 base. I just see something in him. That's one of those guys I've kind of paid attention to all week and I just saw something a little more in him. I just can't teach some of the things that he can do. And I just think putting him next to a guy like McNeil that's got kind of a similar athletic past and a similar build, I just think that could be a really good thing. I mean, you know, maybe he's not the cleanest guy, but I just think the length and power and just, uh, my goodness, this is motor and awareness. I didn't have an off switch either. They're doing those strip drills where you're teaching guys to strip the ball. He had two in a row where the ball just flies in the air. He turns around and catches it and starts running the other way. I mean, the guy's having fun out there. He, impressive athlete. I just see a lot of fits there and I see a lot of what they would look for in him too. That's what we got, Ben. I am curious though before, before I let you go, because I'm learning a lot here as I ramp up my own personal yeah. draft research, heading into our coverage over the next couple of months. And I'm normally down at the senior bowl. So it's that's kind of like a nice research element for me usually. And I didn't have that this year. This chat has been great in terms of catching me up. I'm just curious, there's been so much talk about the quarterbacks and whether the Lions will take one and if they do when. I'm just real curious briefly, because we're getting you know, long in the tooth again. That's kind of what we do, I guess. But I'm <laughs> just curious when you talk to the quarterbacks this week, and if I looked like a potential Lions fit, a backup for, for Jared Goff, the Lions are looking for one of those. We understand that these guys are learning schemes in a matter of days, and they're throwing to guys they've never thrown to before. So it's going to be a little sloppy. But that aside, did you just see any traits out there to keep our eye on in terms of the quarterbacks? The two top guys were Fresno State's Jake Hayner and BYU's Jaron Hall were two of the kind of guys I thought were going to be those guys this week. And they were remarkable. They had a lot of ugly moments because it was a, it was a consistently bad week for the quarterbacks. But Hayner, Hayner's got a little Minshew in his game. Like he's a fun playmaker. He's not afraid. And he showed some power in some of his throws yesterday too, which I thought was really needed because he was kind of shockingly short. When I first saw him, I was a little surprised by that. Jaron Hall was a lot shorter than I expected. But I mean, when I'm talking about those Payne Durham catches earlier, I think one of those came from Hayner. And I think the other three or four came from Hall. He really kind of got it going later in day two after a couple ugly moments. They showed an ability to throw it deep. They both got some mobility. They're both kind of fun, weird playmakers. But, you know, I wrote my Lions Fit stock report this morning. And I think the only quarterback down at the Senior Bowl that would make sense for them is kind of the only guy that wasn't taking part in the on-field action in Hendon Hooker. But, you know, I, I think if the Lions go quarterback I think it would be possibly not one of these guys because it was kind of it was a bad throwing week I mean even Houston's Clayton too and we talk about throwing to new guys he couldn't even hit his college teammate go-to receiver for four years at Houston and Daniel Dell I mean it, it was ugly it was the talk of the week was is this the worst crop of quarterbacks the senior bowl has ever had and I've this is my first year there but I can feel pretty confident it's probably in the top five fours that they've ever had because <laughs> it was it was overthrows underthrowns checkdowns and interceptions galore well that's saying something because the quarterback play was pretty bad last year too the guy I like Ben is Hendon Hooker given what it would take to get him maybe a second third fourth round pick somewhere in that range probably with the upside that he offers as a mobile guy with a good arm, lots of starting experience, I think it's kind of a nice marriage of what the kind of resource the Lions would be willing to invest in what you get in return, especially in terms of long-term upside. I, I think that Hooker is a guy worth watching going forward. Yeah, and the, the Senior Bowl usually stays away from injured guys like that too. And Jim Nagy, the executive director, said 
we've just kind of had to face it. This guy was the face of college football for a large portion of this year. 58 touchdowns, five interceptions through the last two seasons. Mobile, accurate, power. You know, you got Jared Goff for the next two years. Why not? Like I said, I think this guy's the best fit there, and he didn't even throw a pass. Great stuff, Ben. Thanks for heading us up. That was informative. <laughs> hey, I like that. <laughs> I like to help out when I can. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Get a little fish and get a little shrimp and grits in the process too. It's always a win-win. Absolutely. It was a fantastic (laughs) week. See you soon. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Team. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again. Thanks again.